eight of the far post. You will notice these are not the dulcet harrowing tones of Anna, but instead a return to me, Marissa. Hold your applause till the end, please. Um, I'm absolutely stoked to be back on board and stoked to be a Victorian on this day <laughs> because it's a very good day to be a Victorian. It's a great day to uh, be hosting a women's football podcast. So let's crack into it. I'm back with the gals. So let's do some you love to see it. Anna, what was your you love to see it this week? Well, unfortunately, we'll start off with welcome back, Marissa. One, I don't have to host. Two, good <laughs> to have you back in that order. <laughs> but on a, on a football note, uh, you love to see uh, multiple Mel- Melbourne City Championship player Tyler J or TJ Vlanic making her international debut for Serbia against Kazakhstan in the UEFA Women's Championship qualifiers. Um, of course, playing alongside former Melbourne City teammate and uh, fellow W League Championship player Milica Mijatovic. So, unexpected international call-ups. You love to see it. You love to see it. Sam, what was your you love to see it this week? Yes, my, I mean, outside of the uh, how lovely it is to see Victoria get out of this uh, stage of lockdown. So, you know, I love to see that. But what else I love to see sort of keeping with the uh, European Championship theme that we've got going on is a goal by Spanish midfielder Patricia Guillaro. I definitely butchered that. She plays for Barcelona. Uh, Spain came up against the Czech Republic in one of their qualifiers over the weekend, and she scored an absolute belter from just outside the outside the box. Um, it was I'm pretty sure it was a knuckleball. It was just beautiful. So yeah, even though we don't have any uh, club sort of football going on at the moment, international women's football scoring bangers. You love to see it. You do love to see it, and we'll give that one a retweet on the Twitter so you can all enjoy its beauty as well. And Angela, what did you love to see this week? Uh, Mine is probably less exciting um, than the previous two that we've had today, but I love to see the back of my eyelids for eight hours last night or (laughs) Sunday morning. Uh, I think a lot of those who are listening probably relate to this, but I spend a lot of Sunday nights watching FAWSL and yeah it was just great to watch sport at normal times on the weekends and then go to sleep. Was I any more productive at work today? I don't think so but that doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I felt good and that's a big tick so you'll, you'll love to see it. You do love to see some sleep and we've kind of low-key buried the lead here, but you also (laughs) love to see a special guest on the pod this week, live very early in the morning in Switzerland. We have Alex Gummer joining us on the pod this week and we're very bloody excited about it. So Alex, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'd love to be here. I hope you've I hope you've had your your coffee and you're slightly more awake than usual. How are you? How are things going in Switzerland? Things are going great. I'm feeling good for a Monday morning. Got my eight hours also, so that's great. <laughs> uh, we also had international break this weekend, so I spent the last four days exploring Switzerland, uh, going on some pretty phenomenal hikes um and I think it's everything's starting to be the opposite of Melbourne at the moment I think we're starting to close down the cases are starting to rise Uh, we just got told 
that all other leagues, bar the first and second, have to be cancelled. So no more football. But we are okay. Alex, I think some of our listeners might know you better for your feats in the W League and the MPLW here in Victoria. You play for Melbourne Victory, you play for Adelaide United. Um, I guess, can you talk us through how does a, a footballer from Victoria end up playing for young boys over in Switzerland? Like, can you talk us through that journey? Yeah, it's a little bit interesting. Whoa. Interesting. <laughs> um, so I am a chemical engineer and I'm also working full-time and so on one of my holidays after the W I came to Switzerland and uh, emailed young boys and said I'm coming is there any chance you have a game or a train that I could come and watch and the team manager said to me yep we have a game on Wednesday you are welcome to come I'll pick you up at this time at this location and then uh, he picked me up watched the game and then he was like okay let me know if you ever come back to Switzerland. And so he would keep in touch with me, send me some text messages here and there. Are you coming? Are you coming? And then he, I think he'd given up. And then one fateful August, uh, no, October last year, I said, guess what? I'm coming. <laughs> and so that's how I made it to Switzerland, playing for the young boys. And it's... Yeah, it's pretty cool. What What do you make of the league? Like, what's it like playing uh, football over there? How's the standard? What's the experience like compared to back home? Um, well, it's a bit interesting. There's some really good parts and there's some parts where I think uh, Victoria and that W League does a lot better. Uh, so the standard-wise, I think it's a very technical, technical game, uh, but it's not as physical and athletic. But, I mean, we don't have to catch flights to trade, to games, so that's a, <laughs> a positive. Um, but I think I think the W League is a little bit further and ahead with regards to payments and professionalism. So towards the back end of when I was playing W League, I actually signed a professional con- contract, whilst in Switzerland I don't. I just have an amateur contract, so. But I think it's growing. So we just got our first name sponsor of the league, the AXA uh, Women's Super, Super League. Sorry, and it's we're on TV. So the SRF, which is like the ABC, it is coming in, and we're getting games on TV, and all games are streamed live. So it's improving. And I think, you know, take it back to W League a few years ago. That's probably where it's at with sort of that sort of thing. Alex, how has Switzerland dealt with the coronavirus? Because we've sort of, like we, we, when we talk about it locally, you know, we've got different states here in Australia that have dealt with it in different ways. And now we're now sort of starting to see Europe experience a second wave. But different countries did things quite differently. Like I know that Sweden, for example, were pretty lax when it came to original lockdowns and then they had a bit of a surge and all that sort of stuff. So like, how did Switzerland deal with it originally and how did it impact you guys? At the start, I definitely think we were more kind of like Sweden 
but it was a little bit more strict, uh, although people maybe just follow the rules a bit better. So uh, I think that was <laughs> one area where I guess Switzerland were kind of like, but this time they're truly, really, really trying to avoid a second lockdown. So I see it all in the press conferences that they're saying, we really don't want a lockdown, we really don't want a lockdown, but yeah, I think it's happening. Like the cases are rising like a huge amount and there's so so – I guess kind of like uh, Australia has states, uh, Switzerland has cantons and they're making their own rules. And so it's really, really difficult to follow where you're going and what the rules are in each of the, the different um, cantons. So I'm thinking that it's leading towards an, another lockdown, but they're trying to avoid it at all costs. But then I see that in some news articles that, for example, the hospitals they think will be full in two weeks. So that's a pretty scary fact. Um, so I don't know. They were talking about a mini lockdown for a week, but you know, you've seen how Melbourne reacted. It didn't take one week to, for the cases to go down. So we'll see. And how do you think that's going to affect the league as well? Like you sort of mentioned that the, the, the top uh, tiers of men's and women's are still going for the time being, but are you worried that they'll shut it down again? Yeah, I was... I was very worried. I said this as soon as I started the case, the seeing the cases go up to the girls, I was like, I'm really worried for our league. I really think that they were cancelled. Um, I was actually surprised that they kept it on um, from here because they obviously cancelled our league um, due to the first wave. So, and they kept the men going. So I was really, really worried. I was like, oh, girls, I don't know if we're going to be able to play for much longer. And they're like, what, really? Um, but I think the only thing that actually saved us this time was that we had a uh, name sponsor. I think personally, that's my opinion of it, that because we have a name sponsor, they can't just cancel the league and pretend that it doesn't exist. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they've, they are stopping now fans again. So I went to an, a men's eBay match a few weeks ago and there was 14,000 fans in there, which is wild to think about. Absolutely wild. Um, yet they, we had a game at the same stadium the next week and they said that we had a maximum fan capacity of 600. Wow. <laughs> oh, it's extraordinary. God, don't even start me on that. So, yeah, I think I'm a little bit worried, but... I don't think they want to shut down. Are you in um, Switzerland for the long term, Alex? I know you've said your, your job can be based overseas, different locations. Are you planning to come home? So I'm planning to come home over Christmas, but just for sort of a holiday. My sister's having a baby, so that'll be really nice to, to see my little niece. Uh, but I've signed another 12-month contract at work and my boss is really happy with me and, and would like to sign me on a permanent contract. So I think for... Uh, the immediate future and the next few years, I think I'll be in Switzerland. So the W League is going to be deprived of your services. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This year I, I might actually get a game too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's like, that's actually a good point, right? It's, you know, one of the sort of conversations that I think we're, we're starting to have here in Australia now that we're seeing all these senior Matildas moving overseas is that finally – a bunch of players who've just been bench warmers for a couple of seasons are getting opportunities to step up and play some serious games and some, have some serious minutes. But it's also one of the big reasons why we saw so many like Australian players go overseas as well, right? Not just Matildas, but you know people like Angie Beard or Laura Hughes or you know other players going to different parts of Europe to continue to get minutes. 
yeah, definitely. I I see that with the Angie Beard. I know that she's wanted to go overseas for a while, but um, I think that this was a good time for her to do it because she's just, you know, she's just improving year on year and she's been absolutely like dominating, dominating in that left back position for victory. So it's really good to see her continue that over there. But uh, I, I was chatting to her and I, unfortunately her season got cut short because they kept getting Corona cases. So she kept having to go into isolation after isolation after isolation. So it's really disappointing for her. Yeah, we yeah, were wow. wondering about that last week because she came home seemingly quite early but yeah well she yeah, signed for Melbourne Victory that again okay. for the upcoming season woohoo yeah. woohoo yes for the victory <laughs> um, but yeah it was uh, due to ongoing COVID cases I was just gonna say it, it must have been nice seeing like players in the W League signing for overseas clubs in Europe and thinking oh we'll be nearby and then coronavirus happened <laughs> Absolutely. The amount of times I've said to the, you know, Ella, uh, Chids, uh, Angie, I was like, oh, yay, we could catch up. And then every time it was like, oh, when do you have time off? And they were like, oh, yeah, I've got this day off and this day off. And I was like, oh, well, I've got the other three days off this week. So, nope, it can't happen. And then obviously COVID came and shut down any future plans. Alex, when, when we spoke, um, you mentioned that you were going to go and see Natasha Dowie uh, in Italy. Did you end up doing This that? one I actually did. <laughs> I know, <laughs> surprising. Uh, so, yeah, I got to see her, which was really great. She's um, enjoying the Italian league, but I think they also have a few COVID issues at the moment. I know that one of their assistant coaches had it, and I think a few of the players got it too. So. Um, I think it's a good time, if that's possible, uh, just because of the international windows. So they didn't play this weekend. So I think it gives a little bit of a break, but we shall see. Alex, how good is it seeing players like Ella Mastrantonio, who you'd have, for example, known for a long time, get their opportunity overseas and I guess trying to take it with both hands? Like Ella's been a W League stalwart for a long time, for example, but seems like she's absolutely thriving uh, in terms of enjoying life in Bristol. Yeah, I think it's awesome. And I couldn't think of anyone more deserving. She works so hard and, and you know, she's been bossing it in the W League. So I think it's a really good opportunity for her and to push that Matilda selection, which is, I know, one of her goals. So I think it's a really awesome for her taking it with both hands. And I think her having... European uh, second nationality also helps. Um, obviously, to play in the WSL now, you have to have a certain number of caps for your comp- country and you have to have played a certain number of the last international matches. So I know uh, her having an international passport actually like helped her and opened so many more doors for her. Um, off the back of the sort of the second wave of cases that we're seeing in Europe, like we sort of were talking about Angie Beard before and about how Beard is coming back to the W League because of the Rona. Uh, I mean, what this is sort of just like a question that I'm throwing out to everyone. Like, do we think that this might sort of almost reverse the exodus in some ways? Like, could we possibly see more players coming back from Europe as a result of all this? I mean, there's every possibility, isn't there? We've talked about Scandinavia. We know Angie Beard's coming back. It sounds like maybe some of the guys based in Norway might do that too. 
it, I think that was there was always a possibility that those players might look to do that. I know Tamiki Yellow, obviously, with Kirsty having the baby, is um, was already looking to come back and play in the W League and get her fitness up there. I mean, does it does really make sense, doesn't it? If a bunch of leagues start getting shut down, for players to come back, do two weeks quarantine, and get back into a league where they know they'll be looked, they'll be looked after. There's contracts there, and they'd be welcome back with open arms. It, could well open the door for that, especially for some of those, I guess, more fringe players who are less assured. I mean, for example, you look at the US women's national team when those fringe players came over to try and get their spot. I guess if you're on the fringes or the periphery of the Matildas, you could look at the upcoming W League seasons and some game time under your belt. And who knows, maybe that could be your platform. It's a bit of back to the future. I think even just like putting the professional side of things to the side um the personal side of things of just being home is probably um a massive factor I just hearing about the news of what's going on in Europe is so I don't know it feels very scary even though we're sort of coming out the back end of that in Victoria it wasn't it never was like what it is there now so I suppose having that knowing that you have that to fall back on would be a great comfort it would be for me I suppose but I always come at things with my anxiety tinted glasses but yeah (laughs) I think for a few players as well the the timing of everything uh suits quite well so like we know that the Scandinavian leagues are close to finishing anyway so they've got that kind of hard deadline that they can return but I suppose then your other leagues we're still at least you know six weeks away from or two months away from the dub returning so there is time for things to potentially get better or worse over in Europe and then they can make that decision, still potentially have a decent pre-season down here if that's what they decide to do. So it's something that we definitely need to keep an eye on. Alex, have you spoken to many that around that are thinking about coming back? Yeah, I've spoken to a few, none outside of the, I guess, the Scandinavian leagues that are really looking at coming back. Uh, I think... I don't know, it'll be interesting to see how the Spanish league goes uh, because I know that they started late. They didn't have a a start of a season organised for Mm -hmm. such a long time and then it all came together really quickly. So it's interesting to see how that goes. Um, I know Alira Tobi's in Portugal. Um, So interesting to see how that goes. Um, I know that uh, Tegan Micah is uh, back in Australia um, after breaking her finger. So um, I know I look to see, which is really disappointing for her because I saw that she was absolutely smashing it in the Scandinavian league over there. So I think, I think probably more on that side, I think the Scandinavian players will, will look to come back because that's usually what they do anyway. You know, you see that in the past few mm-hmm. years that they've all come back after that season to play the W league. So We shall see. We'll move on to other kind of big news, actually, that's happening in Tilly's land. There was lots of talk about a November camp. We were all really looking forward to seeing that, seeing the girls together, seeing Tony's first camp and what that would kind of entail. Unfortunately, because of what's happening in Europe, that's been called off for the Socceroos as well. There were matches... uh, touted but nothing is going ahead so it's obviously devastating that the girls won't get to be together there will be no further Matildas games this year which is 
really sad to think about actually because it's been such a long stretch without seeing the team on the pitch together. So no camp. It's interesting to see now where we go because obviously 2021 is just on the horizon and there's a slightly big tournament potentially coming up in the Tokyo Olympics. Sam, you posed the question, but I'm going to pose it back to you because I'm the host and I get to do this. <laughs> we, because there are no camps and no games seemingly for the foreseeable future, what does the prep for Tokyo look like? What do you kind of envision? I mean, like I, I don't know and because so much hangs on whether the Olympics are going to go ahead, you know. Uh, I My theory is that it will um, simply because there is so much money involved in broadcasting the Olympics that Japan can't afford not to do it. But I think that will probably go ahead behind closed doors, like all of the leagues that we've been seeing around the world trying to uh, get back up and running. I think we'll probably see something similar happen with the Olympics as well. And so based on that assumption, we do need to think about how the Matildas are going to prepare for this. You know, they're only going to have six months leading up to this. And so it's a very similar scenario to what we had in the lead up to France. And we saw that, you know, when Ante Milicic came in, he really only had two or three opportunities with that with that team before they had to go over there. Um, and he was only able to accomplish certain things. And so depending on how Tony uh, adapts to that, to those kinds of short, uh, short spurts worth of preparation, you know, it could really affect um, how we actually end up going in the Olympics. Like I'm, I'm not super worried, I don't think, because the team, you know, we, we've, got a, we've already got a really great team who already gel really beautifully together. Mm-hmm. And we saw that in the Olympic qualifiers. So if Tony is able to come in and just make a couple of tweaks here and there with the short time that he has, I think we'll be fine. Um, but yeah, it's you know we're we're coming up, we're going to be coming up against a lot of national teams who have been playing recently in, for example, the European qualifiers. Um, so they have some game time under their belt. They've had more training sessions. They've had more camps than we have. So trying to figure out a way around that, perhaps by organising some sort of closed behind closed door friendlies between the Matildas and other European national teams uh, over there might be an idea, but it's all up in the air. So who knows really? Well, we know it's not going to happen for a little while at least. Um, obviously they've, they've ruled out any sort of camp or anything. I think one good thing in terms of the long term is Tony's contract technically doesn't start till January. So the, the four years is from then rather than from the November friendlies. And I think any, um, any bit of time you can save there is good. I actually wanted to ask Alex about this. Um, we talk about betting in styles and, you know, getting a team accustomed like what an Ante had to do, what Tony's going to have to do. As a player, Alex, how long does it take a team to, I guess, get settled into a new style or a new coach? Is it, is it take a long time to adjust? Because I know at W League level, for example, you don't necessarily have a long preseason to do it. Yeah, look, I think it's an interesting question because it depends on how well the players buy into the philosophy and everything that the coach is putting forward. I think at that level, um, obviously, each of the players are wanting to be the best and and to really buy into everything that the manager has. So I, but in saying that, it's also at the highest level. So it being at that level it takes some time to perfect. You know, so these are the differences between you know becoming 
uh, a World Cup champion and finishing eighth. You know, these little minor details is, is something that, you know, it might not be just able to iron out in a few weeks of a, of a camp, you know, so it may take a little bit of building, but I'm sure that they're, they're working on some things behind doors to, to help, you know, the players know what sort of style he's after and to sort of help them adjust in the meantime. Um, you know, I my first W League season, uh, I was under Ross Aloisi and um, it was it was nothing that I've ever experienced before because obviously stepping up that professionalism um, but and also a different style of play. I'd never really played centre-back before and to, to, to go into that, it took me, you know, the whole pre-season to, to get, understand what he was wanting from me. So, I mean, it depends on how drastic the changes are as well. So I think this can all play a part, but, you know, it took me, what, Six six weeks to sort of really adopt into uh, Ross's philosophy, but that was a a big jump coming from MPL to the first W League. So, so we'll wrap up Euro chats. Um, like we said, there weren't many games going ahead because Miss Rona decided to do her thing. So we had Estonia and Slovenia called off because 22 Slovenian players tested positive, which is an absolutely horrifying thing to read. We had England v Germany called off after a backroom staff member of the Lionesses tested positive. So as a precaution, that game was called off. And um, Israel v Denmark was also called off after five Israeli players tested positive. And apparently it was because they flew commercially, uh, commercially while the men's team flew on a private jet. Stop. So mini boot for, um, <laughs> for the Israel FA for not putting the girls on a private jet. That's nonsense. But we'll switch gears now. We'll go to dub chat. It's, uh, we weren't going to talk about this because it seemed to be mooted and now all of a sudden it has risen like a phoenix. Oh, what a segue. Um, the, the Wellington Phoenix are apparently... Again, uh, floating the idea and it's gathering a bit more steam that there will be a W League team this season representing the Wellington Phoenix. What do we know? Sam, I feel like you might know. What do we actually know about what's happening with the Phoenix as they've been dubbed? So what do we know? We know that Wellington Phoenix, the club, are really interested in having a W League side. Um, they have expressed publicly their desire to have one as soon as possible, which is great, uh, particularly in the lead up to 2023, um, because, you know, local New Zealand players need a pathway. At the moment, if you're a, a young New Zealand footballer, your best opportunity to represent your nation is going overseas. Uh, you don't really have a domestic pathway available for you. And so having a W League side in Wellington based in and around local players is great. Um, the issue seems to be, however, that there is a miscommunication between the club slash clubs and Football Federation Australia. So within the space of basically 24 to 48 hours, there were two conflicting reports that were uh, published about this story. One of them was mine. Um, I spoke to people within FFA who had told me that uh, there would be no WE expansion at all this season because the coronavirus has made everything too difficult and it's far too late um, to introduce a, an entirely new team and a new roster of players and all that sort of stuff. 
Um, but then 24 hours later, there was another story saying that actually the club is going ahead with the W League side um, and they're just ironing out details in regards to license fees. So at the moment, um, that's what we're going off. We're assuming that Wellington are wanting to introduce the W League side this season. Um, and part of the reason for that, I believe, is because the clubs are pretty well convinced that independence or the unbundling of the leagues is going to happen soon. Um, in which case the clubs have complete control over the clubs that can or cannot come into the leagues. Um, and so Wellington, you know, and the, the, the clubs around them would be sort of uh, silly really to reject uh, the offer because it's going to bring more interest. It's going to bring more revenue. It's going to, it'll be great for the league. Um, but FFA ultimately have the final say. They're the ones who dish out the licenses. And so it's going to be interesting to see in the next month or two um, whether they're actually given it, con- considering that there's nine weeks to go until kickoff. Well, are we expecting if they do get that team up as well, that's going to be based in New South Wales? Because that's been this thing that's been floated on going. And we know that unless the borders drastically reopen, that's going to be something the A-League team has to do in that time as well is temporarily relocate to New South Wales, be based in a hub or, you know, like based in the community in uh, in Australia just because of not being able to fly back and forth. So, yeah, between that and, as you said, Sam, um, in terms of Wellington Phoenix, we know that in the past their future looked like it might have been shaky. Um, but I think the independent A-League has shown that, well, that's well, not has shown that they're quite keen to have Wellington as part of it. They are keen to have Wellington as part of it. And, of course, that would include the w, a W League team. Um, but yes, Sam, I think it's something that's really emerged over this past week because I think everyone, well, everyone knew that Wellington wants a W League team, but I don't think ev- anyone thought they were going to necessarily get it this season. And now it looks like that may well get turned on its head. So yeah. uh, watch this space. Yeah, watch this space, basically. Um, just quickly, like you mentioned two important points there. The first is that the team, if it does get up and running this season, will be based likely in Wollongong. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be in affiliation perhaps with the university because they have the facilities for something like that. Um, or it will be in association with one of the MPL clubs down there. Um, and the second point is, is the difficulty actually of that happening and, and of that working because if they are wanting to draw upon local players, they're now going to have to ask them all to pick up from where they're living and relocate to Wollongong for three mm. to four months. Um, some of those players are going to be quite young. They're going to be sort of emerging football firms. Um, what what kinds of protections do they have in terms of a collective bargaining agreement, for example? Are they assured of having accommodation and, and appropriate pay within the space of time before kickoff? Is that, is, are all the fine details of that going to be sorted by the time the season actually gets underway? So I feel like it's um, it's too hasty for this to happen. I think that, like, I, I absolutely, I, I want a Knicks, a, a Sheenix team, I'm, you know, as much as the next person does, but I think we need to do it properly and we need to do it so that the players are protected and so that they're comfortable. Um, I don't think rushing through it is a good idea and it makes me feel like um, they're doing it. I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on for a little bit. <laughs> it, it makes me feel like they're doing it because the other big conversation that Wellington are having is the viability of their own A-League licence. And so you have to wonder whether they're using this W-League sort of chip as a bargaining tool to get FFA to uh, more seriously consider their ongoing A-League licence as well. Is Alfoil on special in Sydney or something? (laughs) 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 
Like, I know I haven't been on, but I've been listening to the pod and I feel like you've mentioned tinfoil a lot in these last two weeks. We did get someone ask if they're our sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) If only. I reckon it's just because it rains so bloody much in Sydney that Sam just constantly needs to protect uh, protect the dome. I'm I'm actually, I'm very big into baking. So if there's anyone uh, listening to this podcast who works for uh, or owns a tinfoil business, Please get in touch. We can definitely negotiate some sort of sponsorship deal. <laughs> I would be very grateful for that. That's just for our hats. The baking's a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my days. Anyway, there is other dub news as well. We've had a few more signings. Ashley Crofts and Isabella Folletta have signed at uh, Canberra United. That's Crofts' second season in green. And Isabella Folletta comes over from Perth. Uh, and we also had Annalie Grove, a goalkeeper, sign for Adelaide. So good to see teams are continuing to build. Some have said nothing, which is always deeply concerning, but we won't talk about that. And we've had uh, a couple more signings at Victory, and I think the big one that we would like to talk about is Catherine Zimmerman, who signed for Melbourne Victory from Calder United. Alex, you played with her. You would have come up against her in training since she's a forward, you're a defender. What can we expect from Catherine Zimmerman? Well, she's a striker and she has that instinct. You know, she, for me, she's really difficult to play against because she can score anywhere from anywhere and she can score left or right foot and I think you know it's only been a matter of time before she's been given an opportunity because she's absolutely been bossing uh, the NPL down here Um, so I think last year she was uh, trialing with us at victory and she was really really unlucky not to get a contract but obviously you know the international spots last year were hot hot to handle I think they were very difficult and uh, to get your hands on. So this year, I think it's really, you know, an awesome opportunity to her to show what she has. Um, she's actually played in the Swiss uh, league here also as well for Lugano. Um, so um, she actually gave me a bit of advice before I came to Switzerland um, just about the league. So, you know, she is a really talented player and I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how she um, goes in the league this year. Alex, we saw a few years back when, um, Victory sort of the first year when Melbourne City came in and Victory was sort of stripped bare of a lot of players. A couple of Americans who had dominated in the NPLW came in and or a couple of star NPL players sort of struggled to reach the level. What what do you think Catherine Zimmerman brings where she can, you know, show that she is at that level? Because it's quite an adjustment to go from NPLW to, to W League. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think, I don't know, with, with Zim, she is like... Not saying that the others weren't hard workers because I know like Jamie Pollock, for example, she is mm. one of the hardest workers that I've that I've played with and she bossed it in the MPL. Um, I just think that it was a bit of a difficult situation with Victory at the time. I don't think that she had the support mm. around her. I think they were struggling a lot for the players. But I think Zim, for example, she she's just got that striker's instinct. She knows where to be and where the ball's going to be at any one time. You know, she can just get into those spots and, and then, then boom, she's scored a goal. And I was like, wow, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I think, you know, she's got that going for her, but also she's played in the Swiss national league as well. So, you know, she's been, mm. she's played at this level before in the national league. So, you know, she knows what it, what it takes. And I think that, you know, she can really uh, grab this opportunity with both ends. 
I'm also interested in your thoughts on uh, Angie Beard, because um, uh, you've known her for quite a while. She's been at Victory a while. She really stepped up last season. We were talking last week about can she push to try and get into a Matildas camp, push for the periphery. Do you think she's a player that can take that next step in terms of, I don't know, maybe taking the W League by the scruff of the neck a bit? Yeah, I actually, I really think so. I think this year is going to be a really awesome year for her because I think she is going to take on a little bit more of a leadership role within the team as well. So I think you'll see uh, another aspect of her game come into it. I, you know, she was uh, given the captaincy role, I think, in one of our games last year in the Asian Champions League. Um, and, you know, it was really awesome to see her take that role on really well. And, you know, I've I've been... Not to say that I, I haven't rated her at all, but like the thing is that she's been constantly surprising me about her, her how much she keeps improving year on year on year on year. Like, and I think also the consistency. I think every game she she's dominating, and um, I think it's it's really hard to beat her, especially from you know she's so athletic and she is up and down every day and yeah, I, I really think that she you know can push for a Matilda's uh camp and um definitely think maybe it's just biased because she's a good friend of mine but I just see her and <laughs> dominating and I think um she's got a really good attitude and she works really hard so I think she can really push for a Matilda's camp and then from there you know it, it just opens doors what was the advice that uh Catherine Zimmerman gave you before you went to Switzerland um, well, I actually can't remember now, but I know that she spoke to me about it. She just <laughs> told me a bit of what the league was about. But I think it's a little bit different now because, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a really big issue in Switzerland. Um, so Lugano, this team, uh, they are on the Italian border. So what they would do was they would get a lot of American players and they would absolutely stack their team. Um, but I think they would all live in the Italian part. And then it got really, really confusing with work permits. Um, because I'm a European citizen, I it's fine for me. I can get a work permit. Um, but if you are an American or Australian, the things you need to, to, shoot, to do to prove, and it costs a lot of money to get a work permit. So they would I think they were doing some dodgy things and – um, this year they're at the bottom. So they went from being a top, not really losing any games, playing Champions League to almost getting relegated the next year. Uh, I think the only thing that saved them was the fact that the Rona came. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex Gummer spent 45 minutes on our pod and she's got a tin foil hat as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I think it was a little bit different because she was one of those American players at the time. Um, but I think, yeah, in the Switzerland League now, it's a bit different because there's a, a huge range and differences between the top teams and the bottom teams. Um, I think a bit more, it was a bit more even when um, Zim was there and she just told me about it. It's a bit more technical league. Um, it's not as physical, which I definitely found out because the amount of fouls that I gave away in my first match. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've got one more question about the the W League for you, Alex. Um, We know that the Victorian NPLW couldn't get away this season, but obviously with a relative lack of international sports, Matilda's going overseas, there's going to be opportunities opened up, um, potentially for some top performers in the State League. We know Catherine Zimmerman's already at victory. Who else would you pick if you could give some opportunities to some NPLW stars to 
get a run at the top level? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I actually think that there's quite a few young players and the young Matildas that should really deserve an opportunity in the W League. I think, uh, I'm sorry if I butcher her last name, but Claudia Mihovic. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. Sorry if I butchered that, but um, I've been obviously with Victory for the past few years and she's been a train on there Mm. and just watching her grow over the years as being a a train on, I think she's going to be a really great player. Um, Also her Gracie Taranto as well. She's been doing really well and growing. Paige Zoyce, I've played with her at South Melbourne and, you know, in the last few times at at Victory, she's been a train on and also she came away with us for the Asian Champions League and also Alana uh, Jankovic as well. Um, Yeah, she's an up-and-coming winger, uh, left foot, so she's got a decent left peg on her. So I think those four players, I think they'll be – I actually think that there'll be hot, like the hot property in, in Melbourne. I think there'll be a bit of a tug of war between um, City and, and Victory over those four players who's going to get their signatures. But I think obviously because, you know, they've been training on at Victory for the past few years, I think that I think hopefully I'm hoping that we, you know, can keep them on our side. <laughs> um, as far as the other NPL players, I think one to look out for is um, Amy Medwin actually. I really, I'm interested yeah. to see what happens with her because she was on in, uh, she went to college and she was at Ole Miss and then she transferred. Um, but obviously due to the corona, she's come back and she's actually been playing, in, I think, in a third division men's league team in Tasmania or something along those lines. So I think she's been putting some work in the background and I hope that she gets an opportunity. Um, she's working really hard. And so I think that she's one to look out for. Um, who else? I think um, Elena Vashki, she's been doing some well, good things in the NPL. She's a quite a tricky player. She was really unlucky to miss out um, last year in for victory. Uh, and then also, you know, Polly Doran, she's, I think she'll get some more minutes this year. And I'm really actually disappointed to see Emma Robers has done an ACL um, for me. I think it would have been a really good opportunity for her to get some game minutes as well. All right, so now time for some uh, regular scheduled programming. We have a boot. Ah! There's been some epic boots over the last couple of weeks. Sam, take it away. Give something the boot this week. This week's boot, it's sort of a derivative of a previous boot that we've had. Um, It's in regards to Foxtel and Fox Sports. So uh, this week... In lieu of any on-field action, uh, we've got some more illuminating information, this time from Senate Estimates, uh, who revealed that ABC, our main public broadcaster here in Australia, has been effectively paying double uh, for uh, the ability to broadcast women's football, including Matildas and W League. So uh, even though Fox Sports um, has the rights to broadcast these games, Those rights are paid for, uh, on the one hand, by the government uh, grant that they've been given over the last couple of years at the tune of $10 million per year to increase the amount of niche and women's sport um, that they're broadcasting. But in addition to that, ABC also have to pay Foxtel uh, in order to sort of borrow the rights and the broadcast to, to put it on TV. So Foxtel are being paid twice by the public purse in order to broadcast women's football, which is 
like I don't uh, like you all know what I think about this like it's fucking stupid and it's 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 completely detrimental to the growth of the game at this stage in its life what we, what women's football needs is visibility and needs accessibility and it is the complete opposite is happening under the ownership of Fox Sports so the sooner they fuck off the better <laughs> two thumbs up more like Sam's giving these ones Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. This isn't a visual thing because that was great. <laughs> sorry for the swears. I tend to sort of yeah. Anyway, whatever. You're never sorry, Sam. No, I'm not. Now. No, I'm not. It's fuck him. You know, fuck him. They know what they're doing. These are choices that they're making. You know, and they're just like, you know what? We don't actually care about this. We care more about this sort of bullshit over here. And so it's just like, if you can't, if you don't give a fuck, just give it to someone else who does. So Truly, not Foxtel. It's fuck off tell. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Oh no! Yeah. I me. definitely think the ABC has done so many good things for the W League. So I really, I know. you know, that was where we first started getting visible. So yeah, it's really disappointing that that's the case. And I see in Switzerland we are actually broadcasted on SRF which is the ABC so I hope that that doesn't happen for us but I really like you know these these channels giving visibility to us when we didn't have any. What sort of difference did it make for you Alex having um, like games when all the games are streamed slash broadcast like in terms of having family friends yourselves being able to see it all? Yeah it's huge obviously my mum's my biggest supporter um, she flew across the country to watch me play W League before it was, you know, filmed every game. So, you know, now that she can stay up at like four o'clock in the morning to watch me play, she's so happy. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's really good to have that. But also, I think in Switzerland, I'll, it's just getting visibility that women's football is a thing. Um, you know, everyone talks about Switzerland. It's like quite an advanced country, but there are also times when it's so not the case. Um, I had a man come up to me in a tram when I was wearing my eBay costume, well, costume, my eBay outfit. And eBay is what we call young boys. I don't know why. It doesn't really make any sense. But when I first came here, I was like, eBay, why am I putting myself on, on online shopping? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, I was like, what is this? Um, but yeah, I was on a train and uh, on the tram and this guy comes up to me and he's like, are you a cheerleader? And I think my face was just like dropped to the ground. I was like, I mean, he said this to me in German, so I was, I was not equipped to to answer this very well (laughs) Um, because I was just so shocked. I think that the German translation of cheerleader is cheerleader. So I think I, um, that was the only reason I knew what he was saying, (laughs) but I was just like, what? Do I look like a cheerleader? No, I definitely do not. (laughs) But it's just the fact that he didn't know that women's football was a thing. And so I think that's what the SRF is going to do is, is help people know that because it wasn't a, it wasn't a comment of like men being better than women. It was just of ignorance and he just didn't know, you know? So if we can just increase the visibility and then people, you know, we'll know about it and, and I think it'll just grow from there. A boot to the man on the <laughs> 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 Absolutely. Definitely. 
but we'll we'll switch things up now. We'll finish with some how goods. Who wants first crack at a how good? A how good, a Victorian local how good. Um, it was great to see uh, former, I guess, young Matilda and also Melbourne Victory, long-time Melbourne Victory W League stalwart Caitlin Friend um, finished up a, her time at the top level pretty early um, but has actually been working on her coaching journey and over the last week we've seen her appointed as the NPLW head coach at Bulleen Lions. Um, Alex, you'd have played alongside Caitlin. You'd have known her in the NPLW for years. Um, how good's this? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I really like Katie and what she's doing for women's football and, you know, for girls that are upcoming in, in Victoria. You know, I've sent her a few of the girls just doing some one-on-one training with her just because I know that she cares and she's all about the developing women's football. So I think this is a really, really awesome um, opportunity for her. Uh, I just, I, I do I do worry because obviously, you know, she's still She's, she's still been just playing. So I think that the transition from playing to coaching is a little bit difficult. Um, and also that she is, or she'll be coaching players that she's played with. So that, I think that'll be a really interesting dynamic and see how she goes with that. Um, but I, I really think that she is uh, a really good coach. I've seen her coach the, the young girls um, and I've, I've played with her. So I know that she reads the game well and she's a good footballer. So I think that she's going to be a really good coach. Um, and I just can't wait to see her, I guess, her journey in the coaching sphere. So I hope that she can, you know, recruit some players. I think it's quite difficult coming in, especially with the likes of Calder. You know, they recruit very well. Um, obviously, I played for them. I really love the club, Calder, but I know that they recruit very well. So I think it's quite difficult coming up against them. Um, but I think, you know, if, if uh, you know, a woman, a woman footballer, you know, for example, myself, um, not that I would say that I would play for her, but I think I would really want to support her. And I know that she is a good coach and she reads the game well. So I know that I have a good training session and I, I know that they would, she would be thinking about how the other team plays just because she's played at that highest level and she thinks about the tactical side of things. And she's only 26. Yes. She's only 26. I am older than and Alex, you you have ambitions to enter coaching after your playing days as well. Like, can we maybe? I mean, like, can you speak a little bit more to that sort of transition out of playing into coaching? And can we expect you to maybe make an appearance in the Victorian MPLW alongside or up against Caitlin Friend on the coaching ranks? Yeah, I definitely think that is something that I'd like to do. Um, I, I, I think I mentioned to you in, you know, I interview Sam that I actually really enjoy coaching the younger generation of, of female players, um, just giving them an opportunity to, to be coached. And I guess by one, a female who's been, you know, at the playing at the highest league and so that, that they know that they can achieve that, but also giving them an opportunity because when I was playing, I was coached by a dad who, you know, it was like pass the ball to each other 10 times. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> you know so giving them opportunities where I didn't have um, I think that's one thing um, but I mean I I would definitely wouldn't rule myself coaching at a senior level and, and probably coaching against Katie in the future <laughs> um, but I think I think I will need a transition away from the game first I don't think that I could go from playing to coaching in the in a senior level straight away I think I'd need a bit of time do you get the support from the PFA or I know that the PFA for example support but in terms of getting more top 
female players into coaching? Is there that support there in terms of getting badges and those sorts of things or doing courses? Yeah, the PFA are amazing. So I did my C license through them and I did my B license yeah. through them. So I didn't, I had to pay a, a little bit upfront, but then I got reimbursed through the education uh I guess, pathways of the PFA. So I literally have a B license and I didn't really pay anything for it. And that's all down to the PFA. I know. And it's awesome that they are supporting the women's football. And uh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have these licenses without the PFA. So it's really great to see that they're doing that and also supporting women in education all over. So not just if they, because some people don't want to be a coach when they finish you know but it supports them whatever they want to do. Angela you booted everyone in sight last week <laughs> so this week you've got to bring the positivity and I think you've got a couple of how goods. Yeah. Um, well yes I, I did have a bit of a whinge last week <laughs> um, but we found out this week that sometimes yelling on the internet about stuff helps. You know, and so we have seen that the Conti Cup is going to be shown live. I think, Sam, you might know the specifics a little bit better than I do on that front. Is it all of the games? Being... No, so it's it's just it's just the Chelsea game. So I think clubs are going to do it sort of game by game and, and club by club. But at the moment, Chelsea have announced that they're going to be showing their next Conti Cup game live. Um, I believe it's against Tottenham. Um, but, yeah, but it's great. It's, it shows, obviously, that they've listened to people because people want to watch it. Again, it comes back to visibility. You know, this is this is the market demanding something and clubs are being like, oh, shit, actually, this is a, a good business opportunity for us. So it's great to see that yelling on the internet works sometimes. How good. How good. And I think um, this particular person got a mention last week in our boot, but they were one of the the good guys, as it were. Um, But Ian Wright has been involved in some very (laughs) cute content on the internet. Um, There was a video of him with his granddaughter and she was like just doing skills. I don't know, children being able to kick soccer balls better than me, that's that's a how good. I loved it. And there was also some really good content from <laughs> Arsenal um, with him interviewing Jill Rod, which was really great to see as well. So, yeah, love to see um, such – I guess he's a very outspoken advocate for the women's game, doesn't back down, um, very, like, knows his stuff, and, and that's really great to see um, from such a, like, well-known public figure. So, yeah, Ian Wright and his adorable granddaughter. How good. How good. How good. How good. Let's let us wrap this thing up. Firstly, a huge thanks to Alex for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. We hope you've had a, a wonderful start to your morning uh, having a laugh and having a chat with us. And hopefully we'll get you back on soon, to be honest, because you've been wonderful. So thank thanks you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> And we are, we're done. We'll see you all next week. Do all the usual liking, following, reviewing, things of that nature. We're at the Far Post Pod on all your social medias and we will see you next week. So until then, see us. <laughs>